What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. Are you already recording? Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So we can jump right in, man. Yeah, so jump right into this fatherhood's business. I'm I'm just gonna I'm not even gonna ask you how you are because I could give a fuck right now. I'm all right. Uh, you're, on, oh. you're on a mission. Yeah, fuck, son. Bro. What up, son? You're on uh, a mission. Nah, so this probably drops around the holidays, maybe just after holidays, uh Christmas in particular. Um, so it's probably opportune what I'm about to say. So I was having a dialogue with a few of my friends. We had like a a Friendsgiving is what we had. So we had it like at the end of November. Uh-huh. And and they're asking me like, you know, about holiday pictures. We we somehow get into the conversation of holiday pictures of our kids and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really fuck with that too much. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I find like it's imposing on people. Like I don't I don't have an issue receiving them. Perfectly fine with them. We kind of just we have a little place where we put them, and then after the season, we take them down. We you know, put them in a box somewhere. Yeah. But me personally, I don't. I don't do them. I don't take those pictures in order to distribute them to, to a variety of people. Like I don't have like a list of people that I mail them to. But a lot of people do, and I and people are like, why don't you do that? That's why you're not like in the spirit. And I'm like, nah. I just don't feel like I need to send like like for instance, if I sent y'all my kids' pictures every fucking year. What are you going to do with them? You you may put them up somewhere for a little bit. And then my expectation is you toss them. But a lot of people... I, fit, yeah, I throw, people, all, I throw all cards away pretty much. Yeah, you're talking about... <laughs> yeah. My bad, I was I was lost in translation real quick. So you're talking about ahead, taking boys. holiday pictures to send it to people, right? To friends. Yeah, yeah, I think kids. that's stupid. I've always hated when people, especially people that are not my family, and sometimes even my family, right. when they send me pictures of their family and their kids for the holidays, like, what the fuck do you want me? And then I feel guilty that if I throw it away, you get some bad juju on you. Yes, you- that's, that's <laughs> what we were talking about. We were like, like I, I wouldn't be upset if somebody threw it out, but they was like, nah, I would never throw it out because that's just like voodoo, bad luck type yeah. shit. And I was like, damn, everybody feels the same fucking way because when I get so them, I-, I feel terrible. Well, but, see, I got a different. I got a kind of a different take on it. Like when I used to, before I had a kid, before I had a family, I used to, and I would get them from friends who already were, you know, knee deep in familyhood. Mm-hmm. I used to. I don't want to say clown or joke, but it, you know, it just seemed kind of funny to me. Like, oh, this is like you went and took took pictures to do this, and you know, it was just. I didn't really know what to make of it. Fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, because nah, I throw everything away. <laughs> That's just my mo anyway. Is just, just I, don't, you know, I, I don't really like, like to hold on to too much. Throw away K. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So then fast forward, now I have a family, and then I found ourselves making those cards and sending them out on on the holidays. Yeah. Now, I'd say the I'd say maybe the difference for us is that we don't go and take a picture necessarily for that purpose. Mm-hmm. We'll go mining through our pictures um, to see if there's anything cool that we have and then send them out. And it's really... And it's really more so because we know that our immediate friends and family who maybe don't like we're not on social media, we're not on any of that stuff. Right. So they don't that it's not like they're seeing pictures of our son unless we send it to them. Mm. So it's more so like, you know, that's that's our form of social media, you know, a check in to for, for them to see what our son looks like and, you know, just see a snapshot of the family because through the rest of the year, they're not saying anything. <laughs> I think know? you said something important, though. It's it's friends and immediate. I mean, immediate friends and family, right? So that's the difference there. There's people that send it to like, I guess they think everybody's an immediate friend. So I I think sending it to family or people that actually care about your child like family, mm-hmm. like there's friends that do that. You know, they, they, your some of your friends will be like uncles or whatever to, oh, to yeah, your kids. Sure, sure, that's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who send it to like, you know, like, bro, I, I just hung out with you at Art Basel last year and you sent me a picture of your kid. <laughs> right. You know, like, and also the other thing is, you know, and I, I can understand maybe not for the older family members, there's nothing wrong with sending an email, bro, or, or, or a picture via text. <laughs> you know, <Right>. Like, <laughs> you know, that's what I do. I have a group text with family and even uh, my goddaughters, even sometimes I'll send it to my friends if I really want to send them a picture of my of my daughter. And I just keep them updated that way. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm sometimes saying, "Man, I must be annoying because I'm that annoying person always sending pictures of my kid." Right. You know. So, I don't know. The, the, the actual physical picture, I, I think you gotta like take a step back and say, "Who who really wants this?" <laughs> so all that yeah, said, yeah. We, we're gonna go take our family picture with Santa um, on Thursday. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Yeah, we're not nice. we're not we're not doing a package and we're doing like the Bro. digital shit for ourselves. But but yeah, yo, that shit gets tiring. Yeah, do Bro, you have... just do the digital, like, just Photoshop Santa Claus in the picture, and you're good. Now, do you do you have um, so many for your kids? Have you done any explanation in terms of Christmas versus Hanukkah versus Kwanzaa, or you know any of those? Just kind of the, the whole holiday season. Damn, and... that's really fucked up no i haven't and the well, santa claus thing i'd like to t- see your, yeah. you guys take on santa claus so wait let me let me get through the the different holidays first because I, okay. I thought that's where you were going i thought it was about the santa claus thing um so just by nature of the public school system there is a, a significant amount of judaism that is you know talked about and so they understand to an extent hanukkah um to be honest with you net you know i'm approaching 40 years of age i'm still not all the way sure about you know the everything that there is to be about you know hanukkah the way i obviously i, yeah. know, I, know I just do they got presents every day and i was like god damn it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i should have said god damn that's blasphemous <laughs> but but like kwanzaa and, and the rest of you know, the 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 lesser knowns i guess and not that kwanzaa is but it you know right. hanukkah and christmas yeah. are the the big juggernauts Right. Um, I don't think I've never had that conversation. So I'm I'm gonna poll my my oldest to see if she even knows because that that's an interesting diff- thing to to talk about. How about yourself? 
Um, yeah, we've we've talked about it, and in his schools, they've you know they brought up I guess all kind of the the three major known ones, you know, so Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of refer to it all as the holiday season at the end of the day. Um, but like we have a Christmas tree and all that good stuff, but it's more so really just for the festive nature of it, not necessarily the you know the, the context the context of it mm-hmm. if you hear a child crying in the background that's my daughter that's that's baby efn <laughs> my girl's girl like maybe trying to put her to sleep now hey uh but on this subject i am the christmas guy like okay. i like christmas like i yeah. i really enjoy it and this will segue into the santa claus thing that i want you guys to give input i felt that there was a lot of positive or positivity that came out of me believing in Santa Claus when I was young. Mm. And the festiveness and the decorations, it always, you know, it, it has a real warm place in my memories and, and makes me think of even, you know, bad times in my life. But that was always a good time. You know, that was always when I felt good and I felt happy. And, and then believing in Santa Claus, I felt like just... I don't think it was a negative thing. I felt like, you know, it, there was a point where, you know, I phased out and I learned that he wasn't real and it was like, cool. But I, I felt like it was a part of a, like it, it helped in creativity in some weird way. You know, and I was always trying to c- capture pictures of him, leave the cookies and and, all this, and, then, and then I have uh, family members or even friends when we would stay at friend's house that would do these elaborate things to make us even like, if we, you know, believe in Santa Claus, like, elaborate like i had this one a friend that we stayed at his house and they were they had a little paper so they had a little money to you know a little budget to make santa real mm. and they literally put footsteps on the roof coming down santa footsteps reindeer footsteps you know then they had hay for the for the reindeer to eat and then around the hay they they had shit you know like the reindeers were shitting <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> then then uh santa left this like scroll letter to us like an old, like you know, like like old English right. handwriting, and and then the tree was nice when we went to sleep, but it was like ima- like this crazy <laughs> like glitter and like you know, and it was it was like insane yeah, to me. It's huh? the magic. It's like forget what he looks like and forget all that stuff for a minute. It's more about the magical nature of this. Like when you're a kid, it's like you want to believe that there's it's something innocent, extra. Man. Yeah, yeah. And that's why sure, I think sometimes sure. people are losing idea like it's innocent it's 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 magic you know like like i don't think there's anything wrong with kids believing in magic like i think the problem is when adults forget about magic like that's when we start you sound like like peter pan right now it's true i believe that i I understand that concept because well we get so pessimistic and we yeah yeah. like like, like, come on man like you know what kind of fun is life if you if you're not a child at heart Mm. and i think if you lose, if you don't get some of these things that I'm talking about, I mean, I'm sure there's other things that can replace it, but maybe for us in the Western world, it's more yeah. Christmas and Santa Claus. If you don't have that, I think, in, in your childhood, then, yeah, you're going to lose that 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 spark quicker. And, you know, and life to me is duller in that sense. You're not. Yeah. You're gonna... I get it. I, I used to be more before I had my kid more kind of just nonchalant about the holidays and it was not that lost the magic feeling you know what i mean that that kid feeling but now seeing him react to just the anticipation of uh you know 
of the holidays and seeing the lights and thinking about these magical things happening, you know, that, that then it's like, okay, it's, this is cool. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, it, when, whenever he's told or whenever he grows to a certain point and he knows that, you know, there is no person, Santa, that kind of stuff. Then yeah, I'm sure he'll be, yeah. Careful. Sure. Your walls are thin. I think over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be fine with it. You know? Yeah, dude, I don't remember having any kind of breakdown. I mean, I'm sure maybe someone could tell me I did, but I don't remember. I mean, he asked me the other day, as man, and I kind of didn't know what to say because there's the there's the Ugh. you know the the hard line in me that's like, man, there's no Santa, <laughs> you right. know. But then because he goes, yeah, this kid at school the other day, he was saying that uh, Santa Claus isn't real. It's just uh, all parents do is they go and buy cheap toys and <laughs> wrap them up. He's like, is that true? I said, uh, I said, well, I, I just kind of put it back on him. I said, what do you think? And he goes, I think Santa, I think Santa's real. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, sorry, man, but you know what makes it even crazier for Latinos, I think, is Reyes Magos. That we have that other weird holiday that I was always super confused as a kid why I'm celebrating this. I mean, I understood it, the nativity, the kings they came to see. But I'm like, yeah, this is after Christmas, man. Like, these guys are late to the party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I th And then, you know, and then in Latin culture, we, we tend to celebrate the 24th. At least the adults did. Like, I liked it because we did the, the 24th celebration. And at midnight, they would let us open one gift. Yeah. And that was from them, from the family. And then we go to sleep, and then it, the morning is Western culture, you know, like American, like, oh, it's American Christmas, which was the kids' favorite more. And I think all of that helped the transition of eventually knowing that all of this stuff came from the parents, you know? You know, but, but yeah, man, I don't know, man. I think I think all that stuff is special, man, if you can do it with your family. I feel like a big asshole because I've been pushing my wife to, like, yo, just tell them already, like, my <laughs> five-year-old. Because, I, I, you know, sometimes I feel like, damn, we're just lying to these fucking kids, bro. Like, just tell them the truth. But she, she said... She said later on. No, but she said exactly what you said. And now that you, you're saying it, E, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Because the magic behind it is something that she wants to preserve as much as possible. And there's no harm in it. And imagine it's, it's, it becomes tradition that they will want to instill the same feeling of family and, and those good feelings and good times with their family. And right. that's what I think ultimately is the positive side of it. I'm telling you, like, nobody would ever expect me. Like, I'm like, like, not like, I know there's people that don't think that I'm like some Christmas or like, even from Halloween, I'm already hyped. Like, because, but see, it goes back to even like school stuff. Like you already know the holidays come in, you're getting off of school then the 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 you know the Halloween cartoons are like a lead up to to Christmas in the end you know what I'm saying and and so you're hyped so it, it becomes like the whole season type of thing and and me as an adult even before my girl before my baby I would you know I wouldn't do a lot but I would do something in the crib to kind of like have some kind of you know festive feeling in in the home and now with my, with my daughter I I want to do it even more you know. Boom. All right. Well, let's. You know what? So we're gonna have another guest today. Um, got Chris Morrow from who runs Loudspeakers Network, and he's a father. So let's uh, let's call him up and I think what his holidays are like. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think the uh, the Santa Claus question is a is a good place to start. Yeah. You'd be like, fuck Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris. What's up, man? We've got Chris Morrow, the leader. Is it CEO, Chris? 
of loudspeakers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or AKA the Podfather, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm trying not to use that because I heard the that's actually Bill Simmons at first. I'm still looking for something original. Uh, but, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. All good. Well, it's okay. So, uh, it's okay if other people call you that. Right. Right. I got no choice. <laughs> All right. So for those uh, who don't know, Loudspeakers Network. It's uh, I don't know. I liken it to like the Def Jam of of um, podcast networks got a lot of great shows and uh, including, you know, kind of came into the game with the combat Jack show. So rest in peace, combat Jack for sure. So, so Chris, um, Santa Claus, yes or no for your kids? Uh, definitely not. Not even. So wait, so what, what happens? Cause, um, you know your your daughters, they're they're seeing it everywhere. How do you, how do they, you know, associate or disassociate? I mean, it's literally never been a conversation in our house, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I don't I don't know if my daughters do see it everywhere. I got to be honest. Um, we don't have cable, so they don't watch any TV. Um, guess they see it around a little bit but you know like we're in new york city they're not like going to malls where there's tenants and stuff so i think they're aware of it but it's just nothing we've ever pushed and if there was even a convo about it i can't remember to be perfectly honest so chris just to get a a better idea of of your household so it's you your wife and your two daughters right that's it yep Okay, and then and then so just from knowing from listening to other podcasts that that uh, you're associated with, so your wife is Asian and you're Jewish, correct? Yeah, I'm well, I'm half Irish, half Jewish. So okay. I was raised, you know, we definitely had Christmas and Hanukkah in my house growing up. Uh, my mother's Jewish, but ironically, she's the one who kind of pushed Christmas the hardest. <laughs> you can read whatever you want into that. So. We definitely did both growing up. And my wife is, uh, her family's from Taiwan, but she was raised in Amherst, Massachusetts. And they really, you know, I think they celebrated it just because it was a day off, but there was very little pushing it. So um, I've never been a big Christmas fan, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why. So it was never anything that we kind of were bringing a lot of steam with. So if the kids had picked up on it, maybe we would have indulged it, but it was just not, never anything that I think meant a whole lot to us. Is there anything holiday season-wise on, on from your wife's side of the family that aside from, you know, kind of knowing about Christmas or not really celebrating it, but just acknowledging it being here? Is there any, any anything else that they've celebrated in the past? That yeah, we do, your uh, family we does? do a Chinese... Yeah, we do a Chinese New Year celebration, um, I guess, in February. So, again, it's probably, like, technically not the correct version. You know, we don't go all out, but we usually have a handful of people over. Um, You know, we do Christmas. We're buying a tree. Um, We did the Hanukkah candles tonight. Um, I barely know the little song you're supposed to sing, but we kind of give it a shot. Right. it seems to work. I mean, I feel there are a lot it seems more. To work. 
it doesn't feel different than what I feel like people we know are doing. Whereas when I grew up, it was very much kind of cut and dry. You either did, you know, Christmas hard or Hanukkah hard. So we're kind of mixing it up and splitting the differences, I guess. How do you how do you go about raising your daughters in I guess for lack of a better word in a multicultural household? And we were talking about this on some earlier episodes, just about you know I was having some conversations with my son about race and ethnicity, and you know kind of talking about those explanations and just kind of what they can understand and not understand at any given point in their you know depending on how old they are. Um, I don't know what, what's what's the dynamics in, in your house with um, you know, between your wife and you and, and how you raise your girls. It's interesting. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Uh, we don't really discuss it that much. Hmm. Um, it doesn't really come up. Uh, our kids go to school in Brooklyn. You know, they go to a public school. The majority, it feels like, of their school is kids who are kind of half Indian, half black, half Asian, half like. They don't, I don't think they think twice about it, to be perfectly honest with you. And, you know, one thing I've noticed is I've never heard them refer to somebody as black or white before. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if there's a kid in their class, um, I don't say like, oh, I don't know her, what she looked like. She'll say, oh, you know, they have blonde hair and kind of light skin. Or, oh, she has dark curly hair and like, you know, coffee colored skin. They don't, I think it's different. And again, you know, this is Brooklyn 2018. I'm not saying that the entire country is like that, but it's a right. little bit of a shift. And it's definitely a lot different how I grew up, where everything was very much like black, white, Asian. You know, like you went out of, or at least it seemed like a lot of people, like that was the first thing they say to kind of describe somebody. And I can even remember, uh, I think when my wife was pregnant, one of my Irish uncles was talking to me, like, are you, are you worried about having a biracial kid and I was like I don't think it's a big deal in New York you know um I grew up in Philadelphia he's in Allentown PA so maybe now ironically now his his daughter married a black guy and they have biracial kids that's something he's got to figure out but uh I just was like I don't think it's a big deal like I really don't and maybe we're being naive and I've even talked to my wife like you know I'm sure it some point down the road, it'll it'll become an issue. But for whatever reason, it's it's just not something that uh, they they seem interested in talking about. To be honest, how old are your daughters, uh, Chris? Uh, my eldest is eleven, and my youngest is nine. Okay, so I mean, I guess old enough to likely have experienced something around that. I think at, at this age, hmm, they had to have, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, but I keep I keep kind of expecting it to become something and I kind of like poke around a little bit and nah, nothing, you know, it is dope. I mean, I, I, and I, sometimes I worry if, you know, I talk about it, I make, I don't want to paint the picture like this isn't, um, you know, a big issue for a lot of kids in a lot of different places, but in this one little sliver of Brooklyn, um, you know, it's cool. And I know even within Brooklyn, that's not necessarily the case because... Um, yeah, there's definitely parts of we, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, we had our oldest daughter in a private school for the first two years, and I didn't like the energy, and we pulled her out. And actually, I bumped into a woman at a function that her current school had, uh, and we were talking, and she turned out to be a teacher 
um, at the private school my daughter used to go to. And I was like, so you send your kid here? She's African-American. She was like, yeah, I wouldn't let my kid be a black kid in that school. No way. I wouldn't want him growing up with that energy around him. And I was like, all right. So I wasn't imagining stuff, you know? So even in a space as small as Brooklyn, I'm not saying that it's like, oh, you know, everything's changed. It's post-racial. But in, in our little, you know, corner of the world, it doesn't seem to have become a big issue yet. You're, you're not worried um, that the further away you get from Brooklyn, New York, that 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 atmosphere wife, changes, won't. huh? Yeah. yeah. No, my wife. That's one of the reasons my wife won't leave. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll float. Hey, let's think about going somewhere because you know New York is tiring and it's expensive, and you know, I could sometimes even play with the idea of moving to, back to Philadelphia, and she's not. Even, she won't even entertain it. She's like, no, this is this is where it's at. And I think I'll, that's a big that's a big part of that. I'll tell you, like here in Miami, um. I have friends that, you know, or, or just people in general, we're very comfortable being Latino here. I mean, it's like a banana republic, we, you know, practically in Cuba. And you just go, you know, a few miles up north Florida and the environment changes completely. And, and, and there's people who will live their entire lives in Miami and then just take a trip to Orlando and just go a little bit outside of Orlando. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh, we got problems here. You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, they'll call you all kinds of shit. It's funny because we were in Miami like three weeks ago, just my wife and I, and we were looking around. We were like, I think we could do Miami, you know? But we were like, I don't think, like you said, I don't think we could do 20 minutes outside of Miami, but Miami itself, the, the energy felt good. Yeah, it's, that's why they, they're trying to split the state, you know? They would, they would want to. Yeah. How was that taking a trip without the kids? Oh, that's fine. We we travel all the time uh, without the kids, and we're fortunate because uh, my parents are in Philly, and they're like super engaged grandparents. So okay. our our biggest issue is kind of keeping them at arm's length. Sometimes if they had it their way, um, they'd be here every weekend watching my kids for me. So uh, from an early age, we've always tried to do a little bit of traveling on our own, and you know the kids are used to staying with my parents at this point, and then. On the other side of the coin, every summer, uh, we take a trip to Taiwan to visit my wife's parents. So, uh, you know, we have some, like, pretty intense experiences, you know, doing that sort of trip with the kids, too. And that's like a 16 or 17-hour plane ride. And yeah. our family's like a layup. We don't even we don't even think about it. And I know for a lot of people, the idea of taking, like, a, you know, 16-hour plane ride with your kids would would scare the shit out of you, but we're so used to it at this point. We don't we don't even think about it. How how is that you when you visit Taiwan, uh, you being an American white guy married to an Asian lady? Yeah. What's that like over there? That's a little bit different. I mean, I think that's almost like the experience some people might think we would have in America, because uh, in Taiwan, you know generalized like i think this is true of a lot of chinese culture kind of even outside of china if if they want to look at you that they, they don't try to be subtle so you know we'll have kind of people stop us on the street and ask to take pictures of our kids or you know people oh, just wow. kind of like openly walk up to me and uh kind of like stare at me and it's it's a little strange i mean i'm used to it now um 
it's also, to be honest, like my kids have the quote unquote look that's like very popular in Asia right now in a lot of places because it's kind of Asian, but it's kind of white and, you know, you can make what you want out of that. But so if anything, it's like letting my kids not get too gassed up because in Taiwan, like the first thing everyone says to them is like, oh, my God, you guys are so beautiful. Mm. Can we take a picture or something like that? So if, if anything, it's trying to you know like relax you know like i don't i don't want you to start thinking i'm not sure what i don't want them to think but it seems it seems like a little bit much and they kind of back up from it if anything because they're kind of quiet kids so i think just the idea of people coming up to them sometimes is a little bit much Hmm. that's wild (laughs) yeah that is crazy yeah that is wild do you um cool i mean yeah it's not negative do I, you um I could think of way worse situations that I've, yeah. I've been through. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did hear the in the Brilliant Idiots podcast the other day when you said that you were you were in Taiwan with your daughters and the some dudes were looking at you kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I've actually had it happen in uh in New York City too. And again, it was like a Chinese guy just kind of like stopped on the sidewalk and us on the sidewalk. He did that thing where he just like took a long look at me and took a long look at the kids and then back at me and back at the kids. And I was just like, all right, man, like, just ask the question. Like, whatever. <laughs> did, uh-huh. he, did he reach for his phone, like, call 911? Like, I'm not sure if this is his kids. <laughs> nah, he was cool. I don't, I'm not sure if he even spoke that much English. But, I mean, you know, like, that's the thing that goes on because I see people do it, especially when you're, when you're talking about, like, biracial kids. Like, for whatever reason, like, people just kind of have this tendency to try to do the math in their minds, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like they like this kid match with this parent, and you can just kind of see people doing it. But I know that I do it if I'm being honest sometimes too. I just for whatever reason, it just seems to be something that people want to do. So I don't, uh, I mean, it's pretty natural, it's even with the parents that are the same race or whatever. People right. are always like trying to see what traits of the parents, you know, are in the kids, right? And there's just something about it when it's, when it's perceived as as different that, um, you know, it makes people kind of do like an extra pause and maybe, maybe they're not being subtle. And then, you know, sometimes I had one time I was like out on fire Island at some beach and this woman, she's probably a little drunk. Like came up to me and was like, Oh my God, your daughter is so beautiful. Where'd you get her? Oh, oh man, shit. shit. <laughs> like her mother. Like, Should have fucked their heads like, up and be like Amazon. <laughs> right, right. I got prime. Like, like I don't know. Like I'm not really insulted. Like it is what it is. That's the damn. It's easy for me, man. I'm a, I'm a white guy. You know, it's like I'm not gonna try over like a couple random weird encounters. I think it's I think it's probably tougher for my wife. Um, mm. Just cause you know, yeah. I think when 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 she's with the kids, she's just like an Asian woman with two kids and whatever. And this, the kids are seen as Asian, and when I'm with them, they're white kids, so it's probably easier, you know. Right. I have an easier path with all that sort of stuff. Are, are your daughters uh, into music at all? Uh, no, that was funny. My my nine year old came to me tonight and was like, "What's the matter with Takashi Six Nine?" Oh, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why are you asking? She was like, oh, I just heard some people talking about it at school today. And I was like, all right. I was like, yeah, it's in some trouble. I don't know how it's going to turn out for him. But I was like, oh, man. It's not a good look. Where did that come from? 
are, are are you um are you are you guys monitoring kind of what you know what they listen to and and kind of curating Filtering. you know what they can't what what they can and can't listen to we've been having these discussions and we usually ask people kind of because i think all of us are a little bit scratching our heads because you know we especially when it comes to hip-hop oh, yeah there's yeah. things that we want to you know i want i want my son to hear and i'll start putting it on the car and i'll forget that they're dropping all kinds of right stuff in it i'm like oh shit i gotta turn this off right now but then i don't necessarily want to because he's liking it you know yeah i mean a lot of the content i'm like i don't want you to think that that's a normal way for guys to talk to you so i mean what we did is when my kids were little i realized i mean i'm obsessed with music like everything was music with me so i really that was something you know i knew that I wanted my kids to be passionate about too, but I noticed when I try to play them music, they keep asking me to like, to show them the video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm done with this. So we basically, I mean, we still have laptops, but before I was playing, the stereo was hooked up to either the computer or a phone. So I used to, you know, I collected records back in the day. I'd like put them in storage probably 10 years ago. So I pulled out all my records um, I bought some new ones. I went and got like a refurbished, you know, turntable and receiver from the seventies at a shop I found in Philly. And pretty much like 90% of the stuff that they listen to is just the stuff that I have on vinyl. So mm, they listen to really good jazz and really good reggae and really good soul and really good rock. And like, like the music that they've been exposed to is like, honestly, it's like the, the best case scenario just like to me at least mm -hmm. so if anything i feel like a little guilty that um you know they're not exposed to nearly as much contemporary stuff as i was at that age because you know by the time i was 11 i was definitely starting to like form the stuff that i was into so i'm now being like all right maybe i went too far i'm playing them you know the classics i gotta let them uh kind of develop their own thing but i'm noticing like when we drive i usually keep it on power 105 in new york <laughs> and like they like juice world you know they like lucid dreams they pretend they don't like drake but they clearly both have a crush on drake <laughs> um, like they're starting to develop it well you know they'll be like who's cardi b and they hear stuff at school like at their school they play like contemporary stuff during lunch uh, you know, in the cafeteria. So they're definitely like picking up their own thing. But yeah, it's a struggle because, again, you know, the content. Some of it's pretty, pretty rough when you when you're listening to it through a parent's ears for sure. You mentioned earlier um, they gravitate toward video, or or they ask you, you know, to show them a, the YouTube video of whatever music they they might be curious about. How, you know, you being very much in the audio space, and I know you know video is a part of the podcast world, but it's still you know predominantly audio centric. How does how do you convey, or how do they understand what it is that you do for a living? Just because it's you know the format is something that they ne don't necessarily gravitate toward. Yeah, it's interesting. Like they're they're definitely interested in what a podcast is and who I work with. And I, I noticed them asking questions, particularly maybe over the last year, like, who's this person? And, then, you know, do you know this artist or that artist? Um, I think they're starting to understand what a podcast is. We actually 
we were up in Boston for Thanksgiving and on the ride back, I was like, let me just try to find you guys a kid's podcast because we're tired of listening to like whatever music I had in my phone. And we found like some, you know, it was like a sci-fi mystery for 11 year olds and they were obsessed with it. Like they're asking to listen to it again. So I think they're starting to like understand what that sort of podcast is. Like I, I wouldn't let them within a million miles of the shows we do. And even when like I'm listening to something on my laptop and one of them walks in the room, like I'm getting um, news as quickly as possible. Cause I'm like, I don't want you guys listening to this shit. I'm sure they've probably started looking it up on their own just cause they're curious, but I'll let them do that. Um, it is funny though, cause I had a conversation with someone earlier today and I, I think in, in general, there's about to be like a major shift across the space because if you think about it, right, like to broadcast on terrestrial radio, there's so many restrictions and so many rules and you can't say this before, you know, 11 PM and this has to meet community standards. And in theory, it's all about protecting kids, right? Protecting mm-hmm. kids from these influences. You couldn't pay my kids to find a radio station. They don't know how to find a radio station, right? They, by asking to find a podcast, they know exactly how to find that app on my phone, right? They know their way around a phone. They don't know their way around a, a, a dashboard or, you know, a tuner. So my thing is, like, how, how is there going to be this this system in place where one one aspect is so highly regulated and then the other one you can say whatever the hell you want, right? Like, at, at some point, it's going to swing, so... Yeah. That was something I was talking about with somebody today, and I, you know, if 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 you're going to base this on the idea that you're protecting kids with terrestrial radio, like that just can't stand up that much. Longer. And I don't want it to happen. Yeah, it'll change the landscape. Yeah, it's happening. We were talking about this in our last podcast. Um, and um, I, you might have heard Mark Benioff from Salesforce talk about like regulating big tech. And, you know, and for all intents and purposes, podcasting, you can call, you know, a, a, <laughs> I always laugh when I say it's like a new age medium, even though it's been around for, for a long right. time. Yeah. Um, it's kind of coming yeah. in, into vogue now. What you just referenced is one of those areas where I think, you know, some of those conservative views on how to regulate terrestrial radio may impact the podcast world. Yeah, they would definitely lump that in. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, that, happening. it's, it's already happening. You're seeing it. No, but somebody somebody put me onto a good little gem that I'll share with you guys too. I can't take credit for it, but if you notice, uh, Google and I think both Apple are either have rolled out or starting to roll out um, transcription services, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is, at least the way Google's pitching it is, this will be great for searchability because if you put in a podcast and you search the name right now, it's not necessarily going to be in the top tier stuff that comes up, but when we have the entire content wow. uh, transcribed, it's going to rise right to the top. And, you know, let's say somebody's on breakfast club and, you know, you type in McNeil breakfast club, right. Mm. And that'll come up to the top instead of being 20 rows down. That sounds great. <laughs> what the person said to me, is, don't be surprised if they also start to use this on the advertising side mm. to search for certain words that are said in podcasts, right? So they could have a filter of a hundred words that they don't want to be associated with or yep. that are red flags. And they stick that right in there. Now you got a big problem on your hands if you're making that sort of content. And I'm absolutely making that sort of content. So 
That's something I've gotten an eye on. It could go further than just advertisers using it against you. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, that's limitless uh, yeah. what they could potentially do with that. That's, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, we've 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 been fortunate in podcasting to kind of be able to say what you want for a long time without a lot of, you know, it being under a microscope. But, you know, it's a double-edged sword. When you want money and everybody in podcast, we want money. Mm-hmm. Well, when the money comes, it comes with some strings attached. And I think that's what everyone's going to start to realize in the next couple of years. Mm. Hey, I'm, I'm assuming, Chris, that your job is pretty much 24 hours if it, you know, if you let it be. How how do you strike a balance with, you know, spending time with your family and your kids versus work? I know, uh, you know, in past episodes, I know E especially has been just trying to figure that one out. With He's got a seven-month-old, so he's kind of in the thick of it right now. Yeah, <laughs> going through it. Yeah. Drink champs doesn't help. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. And that that early age, frankly, for me, was like the biggest struggle uh, when they were that young, uh, just because of the sleep thing. And just everything is a chore, to me at least. I know some people really enjoy them that little. I, I definitely uh, have enjoyed it more the older they get and you can kind of like relate to them a little bit more, you know, as people, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, it's a struggle. Yeah. Like definitely my job is it's 25 hours a day. If, if I let it be. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, I got Lyme's disease. So like sometimes the days themselves are tough, you know, like I can have days where I'm really fatigued or tired or any number of stuff. So I kind of have to, discipline myself to turn it off um but frankly like i enjoy being with my kids like i'd rather hang out with my kids than you know go out to a club for sure or go to some industry event so i think i'm fortunate just in the sense that you know when i'm with my kids that's that's how i recharge that's what i kind of get energy from so i I think i've done pretty good on that that you know occasionally my wife will say you know for instance, I mean, you brought up Billy Idiot. Like, I can't tell you how many times she's been like, who the fuck is calling you? We tell Andrew Schultz to go get a fucking life and leave you alone. You know, like, why do you have to, why do you have to respond to 30 emails from him on a Sunday night or a Friday night? And I'm like, well, that's, that's the job. That's Schultz. But, right. you know, and that is, that is the job. So it's always going to be there. And it's always going to be something that you can't necessarily get away from. But for me, I think a bigger challenge than actually working is, I got to learn how to get off social media. You know, like if there's one thing I feel guilty about with my kids, it's that just around the house, like they constantly catch me on Twitter or Facebook mm. and stuff like that. They even, they even know it's too much like that. Get off Twitter. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Is, <laughs> is so that, that, that's the struggle for me. Are you on social media more for work or your own personal, you know, knowledge seeking? That's what I tell them. I think it's hard to even yeah. find the difference sometimes. Nah, because like, I mean, well, like, know the, you could be debating stalker, with people right? or whatever, you know. Nah, nah I don't. I'm just watching. I don't. Uh, I rarely ever post anything. Market research. So I tell them <laughs> exactly. So that's what I try to tell my kids. I'm like, you can be on social media too if you're making money from it. But they, yeah. they even know I'm posting. <laughs> I got. I got a problem. I. I mean, for me, so this is mainly digital. For me, social media is like the bane of my existence because it. With, with I, have, I have a couple podcasts that I'm on now, and I find myself, I mean, that's my 
grassroots marketing, you know, mediums. And it's like, in order for you to utilize them to the fullest potential, you have to be on them every day, you, you know, posting, commenting, talking, whatever. And bro, it is, it is. A so it starts, Manny. It's a fucking shit show, man. <laughs> it's a shit show. And part of me is like, there's no way I could be doing my job well if I didn't know what's happening because, you know, our, it's culture, right? Like, yeah. All, for me, all our shows deal with the culture, and I probably don't. I'm out of touch as it is. You know, I'm about to mm. turn 48, so I'm already, you know, probably way past where I should be. And if I feel like if I just completely shut it off, then again, does it really matter? I don't know. I think I think there's going to be a big pushback against social media in the next five to ten years. I think people are going to realize it's just making people miserable. Yeah, for all sure. The time. And it's balance, man. You know, you need, you need some balance. So, you know, for me, that's, I spend a lot of time with my kids. I don't have any, you know, regret or guilt about that at all, but, but I do feel like I could be getting more out of my time by spending less time, you know, on my phone. You said something interesting um, a few minutes ago that, that you enjoy this time now that, you know, the, the age that your kids are currently, as opposed to the, those early infant years, um, and you, you often don't hear a lot of people kind of fess up to that. I know, E, you said your girl got mad at you <laughs> when, right. a couple episodes ago because, you know, you're just saying in terms of, you know, when they're, when, when a kid is first born. Oh, yeah, um, when, when, when she was born, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then when they're, when they're infants, it's especially if you're just not used to being around yeah, babies. You're just trying to and, keep this human alive at first. You just don't really know what the hell is going on or, you know, you don't feel like yourself and – you know, you often hear the stories of this instant love connection when you hold the baby the first time. Yeah, like I didn't I, cry. My girl's like, you didn't cry. I think for a, <laughs> I think for a, I think for a lot of guys, it's like you know, you're, you're scared. You're like, oh shit, there's no, you know, what, okay, what do we, you know, what do I do now, <laughs> right? right? And then when they get, and then when they start to get older, then you start to see the personality and you start to, yeah, you know, exactly. ha- have that connection and and. Be, you know, feel like you're communicating a bit. So, I think that's something that that we we as fathers often, you know, don't really talk about too much. I think maybe because we don't want anyone to get mad at us about it. Well, you know, it's like when I when my eldest daughter was born, I held her. I was like the first person that I was in the room. I was the first person to hold her, and I definitely felt that rush of emotion, and I'm going to protect you and all that. And then. We took her home and she was colicky. And for, there was like a month and a half stretch where she basically cried the entire time. And I can remember um, in the hospital, they, they make you watch a, a video about shaken baby syndrome, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Don't do this. And I remember watching the video saying, why, why are they wasting my time with this shit? <laughs> can you imagine hurting this kid? Can you imagine shaking this beautiful kid? And let me tell you, man, when my daughter was colicky, I was mad at her. You know, like I wanted to fuck her up. Like, and I, I gotta be honest. Like, I was like, that's why they show you the video because sleep deprivation is real. And when you're three, four weeks into that, you start to lose it a little it's bit. Like and I'm like, I really, yeah. And then it's over. And then one day they sleep and yeah. kind of forget that it ever happened but when, when you're in the thick of that like you start to lose it a little bit and i'm like that's why they showed you the video because 
Damn, I didn't get that. I'm like, they're making this for somebody else. I could never snap like that. Well, guess what? When I was in thick of it, I could have snapped. Sure. No, I felt I felt it too. My my wife went. You mentioned it. Yeah, she went back to work and had to go overseas trip, and it was like she was five or six months old or something, and and he was breastfeeding, and you know, so that was a whole issue in itself. And when he was waking up in the middle of the night, and I'm trying to feed him, and and he's just not, not he's just pissed, and you know, and in yeah. turn, I, I get pissed. And you know, I was I was just really mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, and then the next day, I felt like shit because I'm like, damn, man, it's just a baby. Like he's missing his mom, and you know, I'm a fucking asshole for, <laughs> for you know getting so upset. Uh, but but I when you're my daughter, like the top of my lungs, like, ah! you know. And then the second I did, I was like, what? You know, she's like three months old. What am I? My maniac? But that's what happened. Well, my daughter's teething now, so it's like I feel like a second wind of that is is happening. Yo, I can't wait to see well, your daughter. Put a little, she's put a little whiskey on the gum. So I tried that with my daughter. Well, work. they put yeah, they gave me they put rum on my on my uh what is it the the tete that's what we say in Spanish. What is it? What do you call it in English? The binky. The fucking bottle part, yeah. the the part you suck on. They the, the nipple of the, the nipple. nipple. Yeah, the nipple, the nipple. They yeah. they they. My mom claimed that they would dip it in rum. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, drink champs. Right there, you go. Bread, bread early on. <laughs> Chris, how um how involved was your dad in in your growing up? Oh, uh, super involved. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I was I was really fortunate. I had a. If, if anything, my parents, sometimes I had to tell them to kind of, like, give me a little space to breathe. But um, my father was very, very involved. He, um, you know, I can remember, I was telling my kids about this the other day, and they are rolling their eyes, but every night at dinner, we, we would sit down, we would have a family dinner every night, and then he would say to my sister and I, okay, so what have you done today in the moral pursuit of excellence? And then we would have to, you know, come up with something that we've done, even if we hadn't pursued excellence that much. But, um, you know, that was that was the routine every night. And, uh, you know, over time, that kind of, that sinks in and it motivates you. And, uh, you know, my father's like an extremely hard worker. He's a, he's a much harder worker than I am. Um, and, you know, a lot of that bled through. And, you know, I, I credit him, you know, for whatever success I've been able to achieve. It, it definitely comes from that. Uh, ethic that I got from him. Do, does that carry on? Do you guys have a tradition that's similar? I mean, might not be seeking the. Sorry, what was it again? The pursuit of. Uh, what have you done today in the moral pursuit of excellence? Right. Nothing like that in our house. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we're, we don't. You know, I think I'm a little more selfish than my father was. Um, I'm into my career. My wife is into her career. Uh, we come home, you know, seven o'clock every night and we're kind of burnt and we're just trying to get the kids to bed. Um, I think I'm pretty lucky that both of my kids are pretty smart and well-adjusted. Uh, you know, every, we just had our parent teacher conferences and they're like, these kids are amazing doing what you're doing. I was like, to be honest, we're not doing anything. I don't even, you know, every couple of days I'm like, you guys have homework or anything? And they're like, yeah, we did it. So... <laughs> It's completely hands off. Uh, whereas with my parents, um, like they were just on me every step of the way. Which, as I got older, it turned into like a little bit 
more of a problem, but it's, it's probably, you know, my wife's family, they were really hands off because they were immigrants. They didn't really understand, uh, you know, the system probably that much. So, and she did fine. So they were just kind of like, keep doing what you're doing. And I, I think that's kind of what we're doing with our kids. So, so damn, I, I, I can relate a little bit. My 11 year old, and actually she was doing that today. She gets home from school and immediately she jumps onto you know our dining table. And she starts doing her homework, and right. we're kind of none the wiser. We just kind of see this, you know, figment of our, our imagination to zip through, sit down, do her thing, and then before you know it, you know, she has basketball practice or something, and we we're kind of doing the hundred yard dash to try to get her to whatever else she's doing. You mentioned you guys don't have a television. Is that correct? They don't have cable. Well, I mean, we oh, have, cable. Cable. Yeah, we don't have cable. We have laptops, and I have a Apple TV. You know that. Um, you know, we'll watch a little bit here and there. But Got my it. kids are readers, man. Like, there's oh. just a lot of reading going on in our house. Not so, much. Not much screen time. So, screen time isn't necessarily an issue for you and, and your girls. Nah, we're we really don't stress it. Um, on the weekends, like my wife and I tend to sleep pretty late because we can now, so we'll wake up maybe Damn. around 10. The hell is that like? Yeah. Shit, must be nice. <laughs> oh, Chris. That's, 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 that's the dream, right? That's what you're, that's what you're fighting for. You got to get there. You'll get there. But, uh, and, you know, my sense is that they've both been on the computer since they woke up around like 7 or 8. But I'm just like, whatever. I don't care. And then the rest of the week, they're really not on it that much. Um, my youngest daughter is getting really into the NBA through me. So nice. if there's a Sixers game on, we'll watch a Sixers game together. That's that's about it, truthfully. That's dope. Mm. Fantasizing about that 10 a.m. late sleep, man. Yeah, that's Damn. fucked up. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that shit, Chris. We got little kids. I'm They're still waking up at yeah. 6 in the fucking morning. <laughs> Hey man, I remember those days. This is what, like I said, this is what you're fighting for. You just gotta keep keep pushing. And when, when do you get there? You get there maybe when there is like hope. Eight. <laughs> yeah, there's hope. Right. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I got six years before I can even look at that shit. It'll go fast. Be all right. You'll be all right. Um, so, on so that be, note, yeah, be, I was just gonna say beyond uh, loudspeakers, you're also an accomplished author um, and and a writer. Yeah. Uh, by trade what what um are are you doing much of that today or is it all kind of 100 percent loudspeakers uh, i actually worked with charlemagne on uh his latest book shook one nice. so okay. i i kind of told myself that was it um in terms of the writing thing unless unless something pops up where it just makes sense and i want to do it but I, I pretty much stopped pursuing that once the once loudspeakers got rolling. So, you know, if something comes my way and I just feel like it makes sense and it's somebody probably that I already have a relationship with, like with him, uh, you know, I can give it a shot. But that's a tough job. It's 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 a lot to do that and podcasting, um, raising family and then like I said with the limes, like my energy's just mm. not at the place where I can feel like I can just power through stuff anymore. Um, so I kind of told myself after this one, that's it. We'll see if that's true or not, but that's, that's the plan right now. And, and one last question, Chris, kind of 
what's life like at loudspeakers now after Combat Jack's passing? I know you know you guys have have pressed on and you know still doing still still doing the mission. What, what's 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 the vibe? What's the what's the feeling? Uh, it's tough. I mean, I think we're all kind of like in a state of denial, to be honest with you. Uh, and you know, I think it's a week and a half from now will be, I think, exactly a year since he passed. Um, just because it happened so fast, you know, it wasn't one of these situations where you're sick for a couple of years. It just kind of yeah spiraled really quickly. So, um, you know, we're doing our thing. We're still moving. Um, we're working on some stuff to honor him and try to keep his name alive and his legacy alive. Um, it is tough. Um, you know, I think about him a lot every day, especially his family. Um, you know, we're talking about families now as a kid, and I think that's been the toughest part of it for me, just knowing his kids. I mean, his, his daughter is the same age as my eldest daughter. They used to play together. You know, she's a really sweet kid, really bright kid. And like, I just can't really imagine what, you know, it's been like for her and what it's going to be like for her. So I think, I think that's the tough part. Um, but you got to keep on hustling. You got to keep on, you know, doing what got you to this place. And I think it's, like I said, I think what um, we just have to do is really work to, to cement his legacy. Because I know personally I'm not someone who's, like, particularly comfortable waving the flag or calling attention to myself. But one of the things I've been thinking about is, like, I kind of have to do it for Reggie now because he can't do it for himself. Right. Um, and, I, you know, I saw a tweet the other day that made me happy. Like, somebody tweeted, yo, I love that the Budding podcast is doing two-plus hours for the culture. No one's done that before. Salutes. And I just saw him uh, tweet back, hashtag combat. And I was like, all right. You know, like, to me, that's how it's supposed to work, you know? Um, the people who know know and they talk about it you know i don't want to get into a situation where it feels like because people hit me all the time like what about this and what about that i don't we don't have to run around saying well combat did this first the people have been around and combat wasn't first you know people have been doing a version of this before loudspeakers and you know it's going to keep keep growing and, and keep moving so i think you know it's, it's a fine line where you honor what Reggie accomplished and then try to keep, you know, growing with the culture as it progresses. Well, sir. Dope. Boom. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. Hey, man. Appreciate it, man. These are, these are the conversations I've been having in my mind all the time. So it's, uh, I appreciate having a chance to actually have some other fathers. And, uh, I think, I think you guys are on to something. Ah, we're, we're, yeah, it's it's we're helpful trying. for us, man. It's uh, therapy. <laughs> yeah, we were doing this without recording it, so imagine. That's what it is. That that means a lot from the Podfather. So thank you. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. All right, good talking to you guys. All right, Take man, it easy. Man. Man.